the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're struggling in your life for Christian consistency, and you're struggling in your life to have a sense of God's presence, and you're not bothering to open your Bible in a personal devotional time, or you think it's not essential to come to something like prayer meeting or a small group Bible fellowship, friend, where do you think you're going to get the power from? You're not going to get it from yourself. Our lives are renewed through the Word of God. It's that basic. That's Pastor Michael Oxenteco, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with his message today entitled, Walking Out on Unbelief. That's Walking Out on Unbelief, and you can find this message and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. Dear Father God, we ask you today to have Jesus in our hearts and lives so that we can not just know you, but live with you in your coming kingdom. And Lord, bring others to it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Christian radio host Woodrow Kroll, that's an interesting name, he once had this to say about unbelief. He said, unbelief is never cheap. It costs you more than it pays. We're living in an age of unbelief. In fact, unbelief has permeated the Christian culture at the time of the end. It is palpable even in the ranks of the remnant church. We can feel it. Now, in another sense, unbelief is the greatest offense that you can levy against a powerful and loving God. Why? Because if God is a person, and that He is, and if He has poured out all of the assets of His infinite personhood into Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for sin given for us to save us, and if we reject that, because we don't believe that God is personal, because of the sin of unbelief, because if we hold back, then in a real sense we have offended the heart of a humble, loving God at the deepest level. Unbelief is no small thing. In fact, the book of Hebrews says the sin of unbelief is that which led Israel to be rejected in the Old Testament. They can be reaccepted in Christ. And Christ is very clear that the sin of unbelief is what will hold the world accountable at the end of time. It is the ultimate offense to loving God. John Owen put it this way. He said, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay upon the Father, the Father God, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him is to not believe that He loves you. I mean, have you ever gone through life and you've had a rough day or a rough week and you messed up or you faltered a little bit or someone kicked in the wrong little defense mechanism and you just felt like your whole spiritual life came unglued right then and there in that moment? You ever had that happen to you? This week? Okay. Well, it can happen to the pastor too. That's where we live. That's the level plane of life where we live. And friend, God's love 
permeates. God's love reaches us in the midst of those kind of times, and it does not change. His attitude toward us does not shift, even though we are growing, sometimes down, sometimes up, but we are in Christ. We are still loved by God. We are loved by God if we are out of Christ. So we are living in a world today where men and women do not believe that God loves them. You know, John 3.16 is an amazing verse. I love it because it is the simplest declaration of the Christian faith in very salient terms. For God so loved Mike Oxentanko that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that's me, believes in Him, I should not perish but have everlasting life. And yet this verse is so Simple, so direct and so clear, and yet it is hard for the secular world in and out of the church to believe that it is true. How many times have we heard the complaint in one form or another, if God really cared about me, then why did this or that happen to me? Of course, the assumption is that God could stop all the bad that comes our way and somehow it wouldn't hurt anyone or us to do it. It would. We don't see things as God sees them. In the Bible, we are caught up in a cosmic controversy that weighs the outcome of every life and a final judgment at the end of days. I mean, you read your Bible, that's how it's laid out. It's like a courtroom document. Evidence is there. Witnesses are testifying. Angels are watchers, so they're examining. There's a jury. The books are open and so on. And God Himself, in some sense, is on trial in this cosmic controversy because there is an accuser that has first accused Him and then the brethren that belong to Him in Scripture. And the cross is the final verdict that comes thousands of years before the time of the end that saves the universe from unbelief so that a generation after generation of Christians can come to know the truth and the universe can see what Jesus did at Calvary's cross, how He won the great controversy. Some people believe that if you are perfect enough, then you would be good enough to be saved. You ever felt like that? If I just get perfect enough, then I'm going to be saved. You ever felt that way? When I first became a Christian, I was baptized, which is a good thing. I was baptized, and I got a book on perfection, on how to be a perfect Christian. And I got a copy of Benjamin Franklin's 13 virtues that he wrote in his autobiography. The last is humility, to be like Jesus and Socrates. That's where I messed up. I failed at humility. As soon as I felt good about my perfection, just as he said, I was suddenly sinning because pride is itself a sin. The problem is when you focus on an outcome and you don't focus on Christ, you don't get it. God will perfect in us our characters at the time of the end. He will lead us to a goal that He has for us. But not if we're focusing on that. If we're focusing on Christ, the outcome will be given to us as a gift in God through Christ, and we will not be in a sense of jeopardy as we move toward the time of the end. Friend, angel perfection did not keep Lucifer from sinning in heaven. Did you hear me? And it won't keep you from sinning either. So it's not a hedge against evil in and of itself. Christ came into this world to save sinners and to save the universe and to save that unfallen universe from the sin of unbelief so it would never go down Satan's road. He came to save us from our proclivity to unbelief, our tendencies, because we're born sinners. And He also came to save sinless beings like angels who have never sinned so they would never, ever be corrupted. He died for the universe in an expanded kind of way. And all of this is in play on Sunday morning when the angels appear at the tomb to set a few people straight on this hugely important need to believe. Take your Bibles, open them to Luke 24 and verse 1. And we'll move through the text of Luke 24 today. 
On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, the women in the context of chapter 23, went to the tomb, taking the spices which they had prepared, and it says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. I mean, it's an amazing little narrative that kind of winds its way through to the end of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus had just died two days before. That's a fact established with all of their eyes to see as well as in the text. And with his death, a lot of hope died inside of them. You can feel it as you read the New Testament accounts. Hearts stopped burning for him and for the proclamation of the truth as they saw him crucified, hanging on a cross. It was the great disappointment of A.D. 31, Christ was dead. Their hopes died with him. The disciples had hoped that Jesus would take down the Roman Empire, that he would become a military man, a general of sorts, and like Alexander the Great, but better, like Judas Maccabeus, but one who would not die in battle, that he would sit on the throne of David after he crushed the Roman emperors, and things would get a lot better for them. And then Jesus died. He didn't resist He was taken to the cross and he died. And all that they had hoped for seemed crushed beneath the facts of the last two days. Friends, there are many people today who are so caught up in how bad things are that they have allowed God to die down in the area of their hopes. Somehow the presence of God is gone when circumstances hit you hard. And when God is gone, it seems that life heads straight to the tomb of hopelessness. The resurrection of Jesus means more than just a body being online again. It means that hope is alive because when the heart of Christ beats, it means your heart can beat and there can be a fire in your life. Hope can be alive. Now, it's no accident the angels are at the tomb that Sunday morning. Angels are caught up, as I said, in this cosmic controversy between Christ and Satan until the end. As I've mentioned before, I believe at one time in my life I have encountered an angel. How many of you think that that's true for you? Am I unique here? A few of you do. It is very likely that in your life an angel has interacted with you and you don't even know it. But if for some reason you think that you may have in fact been able to tell, it's possible. But we are left still with a sense of uncertainty because God does not allow the angels to interact at a level they would interfere with our choices. The book of Daniel calls them watchers. In fact, in some of the symbolic imagery, he calls them birds of the air that fly and perch and watch kings and people. Unclean birds are unclean angels. Clean birds, you can pretty much assume, are good angels. Don't go shooting one of them, okay? Have you ever seen these dark ravens on a telephone pole just kind of looking down at you? You ever seen them like that? Or a vulture on a post looking at you? Maybe an evil angel, right? You don't know because they can take different forms. But that's the symbol for evil angels, unclean birds in the book of Revelation, chapter 18 and so on. Now verse 4, while they were perplexed, have you ever been perplexed? While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood before them or by them in dazzling apparel. Now the Greek word translated for perplexed is the word that means no way out. I mean their perplexity was a state of mind which says, I can't figure out how to get out of this situation. I don't know how to get out of it. And fear set in. Now this same word is used in Luke 21 to describe the perplexity of nations at the end when there is no way out because of what is coming upon the whole world, because of the war and troubles that we are around. Now we are living in that time. I mean, I'm telling you what's happening in North Korea right now. They say they're not going to test any more nuclear weapons. You look now at Iran, the Middle East, Syria, Russia. 
United States, the potential of a nuclear exchange? It's Cold War talk all over again. I grew up in the Cold War. I mean, the millennials did not grow up in the Cold War. I mean, I remember being told in a classroom that we better hide under a desk if they tried to drop a nuclear bomb or something. It was after the Bay of Pigs, you know, it kind of stayed in the curriculum. Today we think, well, the world's at peace. Not so. Perplexity, no way out. And fear will take over politics and homes alike. And because men and women no longer believe in God and His Word, they will be overcome with fear of what is coming on the whole world. You know, well, you know what we need today? I'm going to hold it in my hand. Do you have one of these? How many of you bring them to church? It's a good thing, isn't it? We need the Bible. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Don't forget you can find this message and many other messages online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Please also keep in mind that we are a listener-funded ministry. We so appreciate your help in keeping this broadcast on the air. 888-244-HOPE. 888-244-4673 is the telephone number to call if you'd like to help us out with a contribution of any amount, or you can go online to reachingyourheart.com. At the close of today's message, please stay tuned. We have a special offer for you that you will want to take advantage of. Let's continue on now with Pastor Michael Tanko. Because the Bible tells us that we have in Christ the answer to all these fears. Now notice the paradox of the perplexing and troubled meeting at the tomb. The women here are in a state of perplexity, suggesting an attitude in which there is no way out in the Greek, and yet it is obvious that Jesus is not in the tomb. Somehow Christ has found His way out of the tomb, and yet they have an attitude in which there is no way out. And so the angels speak up to end the unbelief in the lives of the women at the tomb to show them just as He found a way out, there is an end to perplexity, which is a no way out situation. Angels are watching us all the time, and there are times they just can't be silent when they hear unbelief come from the mouths of God's people. And so in the Greek text, they appear in garments that look like lightning flashing all around them. They are extraterrestrial. Now, how many of you ever seen a Tesla coil? You know what a Tesla coil is? It's like this little ball wrapped up wire, and it produces high voltage but low amps. It was high amps, and you touched it, you're dead. So millions of volts. They use them in these science fiction films. In fact, the first time I ever saw a Tesla coil, I was watching shock theater as a kid. I wasn't raised in a Christian environment. And I think it was a Frankenstein film. And, you know, they had this Tesla coil, and it was just kind of, you know, sending lightning out and all this. And, of course, it was meant to mean that he knew something you didn't know, and it was powerful and awesome and all the rest. It's really kind of simple. It just creates a bunch of lightning that doesn't kill you. Now, I've been struck by lightning. I have. I've been struck by lightning. I would not want you to share the experience. I was at an evangelistic series in Memphis, Tennessee. And I was an intern pastor. And my job was to go get some buckets, paint buckets, to take up the offering. And I disobeyed my mentor. I went to Bibliophiles Used Bookstore and spent an hour looking at the books before I got the offering buckets. And a great storm came out and all kinds of things were happening. My wife was there with me, in fact. We were together, and she didn't want me to stay. I think she wanted me to get on with my work. But I love books. So I went out to the car. It was raining. I went out to the car to open it for her. and stuck the key in the car and then hit the car. I could feel every thought in my mind erased. And I found myself on the other car next to me, picking my body up. I had a hot spot in my head. 
And I walked in in a daze, and I said, Honey, I've been hit by lightning. Let me drive you home. <laughs> you should have seen the look on her face. She says, No, I'm going to drive you home. I actually talked her into driving her home. I went through three or four red lights on my way home. It was really amazing. Maybe my head looked like a Tesla coil with all that electricity coming out of it. I'm sure if you had seen me be struck by lightning, my hair would have stood straight up. So maybe these women, as they're standing there at the tomb, hear these Tesla coil-looking angels. And I bet you their hair stood straight up as they saw these extraterrestrials. But look at verse 5, and it says they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how He, that's Jesus, told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Now, this profound question posited by the angels is really for us all. Why do you seek the living among the dead? What is Jesus to you when your fear sets in at the time of the end? What is Jesus to you when there seems to be no way out of that hard situation that you can't fix with your finances, your relationships, and the like? Do you run to philosopher kings or to the scriptures that lead you to prayer to find Jesus? Do you seek Jesus as someone? We're not talking about some presence. We're not talking about some influence, some moral impact in your life. But do you seek him as someone who is alive personally in your life for your life? Or is he dead for you? Are you locked out? Is there no way out of the tomb because Christ for you is not alive? So what is God and Jesus for you as you stand at the tomb of unbelief facing the loss of a loved one? Can you believe in the face of that kind of loss? Now this year has been a real tough year for Pastor Mike. I'm just going to fess up and tell you that. I lost my brother. You know that. I struggled for a year and a half to keep him alive. My brother was a Generation Xer. Generation X is the lost generation in this country, lost in the church. You know, the studies show that that's the generation that left the church. And my brother grew up, you know, but he struggled with unbelief because of nurture issues in our family. When your dad isn't there, my dad died when he was just a child. When your dad's not there, you'll have a massive hole in your life, and no brother can fill that hole. I tried to fill it as best I could. I couldn't fill it. And I can tell you that as much as you want to do it, you can't make someone else believe in the way you want him or her to believe. You can struggle, you can appeal, but in the end, you can't make someone else believe in the right way. Friend, when God is dead in your mind and heart, it doesn't take long for the life to die inside and for the heart to stop burning with joy. So the angels ask the question that is salient for us all. Why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, when the mind is struggling with unbelief, it is easy for the heart to forget the good times when the Word of God was clear and alive. You know, if you go back in your mind, you think, well, there was a time in my life when I could feel the Lord's presence. Can you think that way? Just feel Him? Now, can you think of a valley time when you couldn't feel Him? Okay. Well, think of a good time when you could. Because that was given to you for the valleys. You see, there are always experts out there who will try and educate you upon something other than the Bible to make you feel good. There are people out there that will offer you solutions that are humanistic solutions that come from a psychological analysis of your situation, you, and they're good at it. 
But it won't make a difference on resurrection morning. It won't get you out of the ground. It will not help you live at the end of the age. Friend, fear and anxiety can erase the fact, and it's a cold reality, that God spoke in the past in your life and that His Word was clear back then for you and that His presence was alive in the Scriptures at that time and somehow things were okay with Him and you when you knew Him in the past. But you know, we need Him every day, don't we? We need Him today, tomorrow, and the next day. In verse 8, Luke simply records, and they remembered His, that's Jesus' words. See, the angels had triggered something in their experience. Christ had spoken to them in the past, and they remember what Jesus said. In the text, the big shift occurs in the women's lives when they remember what Jesus said, His words. His words spoken in the past turned the tide from a perplexity and a fear that is a no-way-out dilemma to faith and joy and witness that points the way to an open door of opportunity. The power of death was overcome that resurrection morning by the power of the words of Jesus. That's what the text of Luke is trying to indicate. They remembered His words. Now I'm going to tell you right now, if you're struggling in your life for a Christian consistency and you're struggling in your life to have a sense of God's presence and you're not bothering to open your Bible in a personal devotional time or you think it's not essential to come to something like prayer meeting or a small group Bible fellowship, friend, where do you think you're going to get the power from? You're not going to get it from yourself. Our lives are renewed through the Word of God. It's that basic. Now, the words of a philosopher king won't do it, but Jesus' words will. Now, I've used that term philosopher king here quite a bit. It's coming from Plato in his book, The Republic. Plato envisioned philosopher kings who kind of know everything for the common people. And they're smart and they can figure it out. And then they'll be a generation of leaders for the perfect civilization. And you know, in the Middle Ages, we had it. It was called the priests and the monasteries. They ruled the consciences of men and women who lived in hopelessness because philosopher kings cannot replace the Scriptures in someone's life. The Bible proclaims in Revelation 19.10 that the Word of God is the testimony of Jesus. How many of you want to talk to Jesus? You want to talk to Jesus? Well, in your Bible, Jesus talks back. I mean, you pray, He talks back in your Bible. It's not small. The Apostle Peter makes it very clear that you cannot separate the person of the living Christ who was resurrected on Sunday morning from the Word of God that is abiding and alive that is with us to this day. We hold in our hands the Bible, and thus we have the living Christ in this book. Thus the testimony of the Bible is the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19.10 and other places make it so clear The Bible is not just good advice in your life dreamed up by a wise faith community. You know, we hear all kinds of foolish talk in theological circles. Who cares about a faith community if it's not the church of the living Christ? The Bible is not just some roadmap to help you have a positive thought now or then or a springboard for deep ideas so you can look smart in a Sabbath school class. That's not the reason for it, friend. The Bible is the living and abiding Word of God because Jesus is alive and the Bible you hold in your hand is proof that He is living. When you remember His words in the troubled times of life, you know, I have to go through my Bible when I'm in trouble. I try to find promises. I was feeling a little down this morning. I had sewage back up in my house this week. You ever have something like that? I had it twice. This time I took measures to fix it. In the Lord's mercy... It happened as I was standing at the sink in my basement so I could catch it before it ruined my basement. It would be a three-month process if that had done that again. Praise the Lord. But I was up all Sunday night and most of this week 
retiring the problem, which is now under control. I'm so grateful. But that's perplexity. I'm telling you. So I came to church this morning feeling a little, I don't have any energy for church. You ever come to church and not feel like you have energy for church? You do. You can say yes if it's true because you had a hard, long work week, right? Well, come to church. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to, just sleep in the pew. Just, you know, we've got a little extra room there. Just lay down if you have to. It better be in church than at home sleeping. And I can even preach at you like that. Wake up, old sleeper. You know, it'll work, you know. It's fun having different kinds of people in church. You don't have to be flawless in church. You just have to be here. And God will work with you. I was right there sitting in that seat. I had to open the Bible this morning and claim a promise because of how tired I am. And I'm feeling better. See, the Bible contains the answers, the words of Christ. The living Christ was speaking to me this morning from my Bible before I preached so I could have energy this morning. I'm grateful, very grateful. Well, that will conclude the first portion of Walking Out on Unbelief, and we hope that you've enjoyed it. Remember that you can find this message and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We so appreciate your contributions. And for a donation of any amount, we have a very special offer for you today. At a time when many people have accepted the evolutionary hypothesis, Seeing is Believing is a book that reveals the remarkable design in nature, demonstrating a mastermind behind all of creation. Where there is design, there must be a designer. Where there is intelligent design, there must be an intelligent designer. Your faith will be strengthened as you read this book, Seeing is Believing. Call today for your copy. Your donation of any size helps us to stay on the air, and we appreciate your support. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Call now, 888-244-HOPE. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.